February 28th, 2024. Behind the horse race type coverage of the contest for presidential nominations, a major realignment is underway in United States politics. The Republican Party is dying as Trump and his supporters take it over. But there's a larger story behind that crash. This moment looks much like the other times in our history when a formerly stable two-party system has fallen apart and Americans reevaluated what they want out of their government. Trump's takeover of the party has been clear at the state level, where during his term he worked to install loyalists in leadership positions. From there, they have pushed the big lie that he won the 2020 election and have continued to advance his claims to power. The growing radicalism of the party has also been clear in Congress, where Trump loyalists refuse to permit legislation that does not reflect their demands, and where, after they threw House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, a Republican of California, out of office, dumping a speaker midterm for the first time in history, Trump Lieutenant Jim Jordan, a Republican of Ohio, threatened holdouts to vote him in as speaker. Jordan failed, but the speaker Republican representatives did choose. Mike Johnson, a Republican of Louisiana, is himself a Trump loyalist, just one who had made fewer enemies than Jordan. The radicalization of the House conference has led 21 members of the party who gravitate toward actual lawmaking to announce they are not running for re-election. Many of them are from safe Republican districts, meaning they will almost certainly be replaced by radicals. The Senate has tended to hang back from this radicalization, but in a dramatic illustration of Trump's takeover of the party, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell today announced he would step down from his leadership position in November. McConnell is the leading symbol of the pre-Trump party, a man whose determination to cut taxes and regulation led him to manipulate the rules of the Senate and silence warnings that Russian disinformation was polluting the 2016 campaign, so long as it meant keeping a Democrat out of the White House and Republicans in control of the Senate. The extremist House Freedom Caucus promptly tweeted, Our thoughts are with our Democrat colleagues in the Senate on the retirement of their co-majority leader, Mitch McConnell, a Democrat of Ukraine. No need to wait till November. Senate Republicans should immediately elect a Republican minority leader. Trump has also taken control of the Republican National Committee, or RNC, itself. On Monday, RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel announced that she is resigning on March 8th. Trump picked McDaniel himself in 2016, but has come to blame her both for the party's continued underperformance since 2016 and for its current lack of money. Now Trump has made it clear he wants even closer loyalists at the top of the party, including his own daughter-in-law, Lara Trump. She has suggested she is open to using RNC money exclusively for Trump, this might be what has prompted the Koch-backed Americans for Prosperity to pull support from Nikki Haley in order to invest in down-ballot races. But the party that is consolidating around Trump is alienating a majority of Americans. It has abandoned the principles that the party embraced from 1980 until 2016. In that era, 
Republicans called for a government that cut taxes and regulations with the idea that consolidating wealth at the top of the economy would enable businessmen to invest far more effectively in new development than they could if the government interfered and the economy would boom. They also embraced global leadership through the expansion of capitalism and a strong military to protect it. Under Trump, though, the party has turned away from global leadership to the idea that strong countries can do what they like to their neighbors, and from small government to big government that imposes religious rules. Far from protecting equality before the law, Republican-dominated states have discriminated against LGBTQ plus individuals, racial and ethnic minorities, and women. And of course, the party is catering to Trump's authoritarian plans. Neo-Nazis attended the Conservative Political Action Conference a week ago. But these changes are not popular. Tuesday's Michigan primary revealed the story we had already seen in the Republican presidential primaries and caucuses in Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. Trump won all those contests, but by significantly less than polls had predicted. He's also been dogged by the strength of former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. With Trump essentially running as an incumbent, he should be showing the sort of strength Biden is showing, with challengers garnering only a few percentage points. But even among the fervent Republicans who tend to turn out for primaries, Trump's support is soft. It seems that the same policies that attract Trump's base are turning other voters against him. Republican leadership, for example, is far out of step with the American people on abortion rights. 69% of Americans want the right to abortion put into law. And that gulf has only widened over the Alabama Supreme Court decision endangering in vitro fertilization by saying that embryos have the same rights as children from the moment of conception. That decision created such an outcry that Republicans felt obliged to claim they supported IVF. But push came to shove today when Senator Tammy Duckworth, a Democrat of Illinois, reintroduced a bill to protect IVF that Republicans had previously rejected. And Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith, a Republican from Mississippi, killed it again. The party has also tied itself to a deeply problematic leader. Trump is facing 91 criminal charges in four different cases, two state, two federal. But the recently decided civil case in which he, the Trump Organization, his older sons, and two associates were found liable for fraud is presenting a more immediate threat to Trump's political career. Trump owes writer E. Jean Carroll $88.3 million. He owes the state of New York $454 million, with interest accruing at more than $100,000 a day. Trump had 30 days from the time the judgments were filed to produce the money or a bond for it. Today, he asked the court for permission to post only $100 million, rather than the full amount in the New York case, as required by law, because he would have to sell property at fire sale prices to come up with the money. In addition to making it clear to donors that their investment in his campaign now might end up in the hands of lawyers or the victorious plaintiffs, 
The admission that Trump does not have the money he claimed punctures the image at the heart of his political success, that of a billionaire businessman. Judge Anil C. Singh rejected Trump's request, but did stay the prohibition on Trump's getting loans from New York banks, potentially allowing him to get the money he needs. As Trump's invincible image cracks with this admission, as well as with the increased coverage of his wild statements, others are starting to push back on him and his loyalists. President Biden's son, Hunter Biden, testified behind closed doors to members of the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees today, after their previous key witness turned out to be working with Russian operatives and got indicted for lying. Hunter Biden began the day with a scathing statement saying unequivocally that he had never involved his father in his business dealings and that all the evidence the committee had compiled proved that. In their partisan political pursuit, he said, they had trafficked in innuendo, distortion, and sensationalism, all the while ignoring the clear and convincing evidence staring you in the face you do not have evidence to support the baseless and MAGA-motivated conspiracies about my father because there isn't any. After an hour, Democratic committee members described to the press what was going on in the hearing room. They reported that the Republicans' case had fallen apart entirely and that Biden had had a very understandable, coherent business explanation for every single thing that they asked for. While former President Trump invoked his Fifth Amendment right not to incriminate himself more than 440 times during a deposition in his fraud trial, Biden did not take the Fifth at all. The discrediting of the Republicans continued later. When Representative Tim Burchett, a Republican of Tennessee, tried to recycle the discredited claim that $20 million flowed through to then-Vice President Biden, CNN host Boris Sanchez fact-checked him and said, I'm not going to let you say things that aren't true. That willingness to push back on the Republicans suggests a new political moment in which Americans as they have done before when one of the two parties devolved into minority rule, wake up to the reality that the system has been hijacked and begin to reclaim their government. But can they prevail over the extremists MAGA Republicans have stowed into critical positions in the government? Tonight, the Supreme Court, stacked with Trump appointees, announced that rather than let the decision of a lower court stay in place, it would take up the question of whether Trump is immune from criminal prosecution for his actions in trying to overturn the 2020 presidential election. That decision means a significant delay in Trump's trial for that attempt. This is a momentous decision just to hear this case, conservative Judge Michael Ludig told Nicole Wallace of MSNBC. There was no reason in this world for the Supreme Court to take this case. Under the constitutional laws of the United States, there has never been an argument that a former president is immune from prosecution for crimes that he committed while in office. 
Letters from an American was produced at Soundscape Productions, Dedham, Massachusetts. Recorded with music composed by Michael Moss.